0: Welcome to episode 38 of the Creative Coding Podcast with me, Seb Liedelal. Now this week, our special guest is Theo Watson, uh, best known for his involvement with the Open Frameworks project. Uh, Unfortunately, this week we had a few problems with our audio, uh, so I've cobbled together various backups uh, from various locations, so the audio quality isn't quite up to our usual standards. hope you'll bear with us this time and uh, enjoy the show.
1: How are you doing, Theo? Uh, Pretty good, pretty good. Very excited to be on this podcast. Oh, you're too kind.
0: Uh, No Ian this week. Uh, He's a bit busy doing his freelance work, so he just stuck with me. But I guess that's all right. Um, Theo, you still in Brooklyn?
1: Uh, no, I'm now living in Cambridge, Massachusetts.
0: Yeah, I thought you moved. weren't you going to go to San Francisco at one point?
1: Yeah, that was the plan. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't quite happen um we spent about two months out there and uh realized that we hate californians uh, <laughs> no i'm just joking <laughs> actually we, we had some really good friends uh psh, psh, showing us all the reasons to move to California and uh, they did a great job. And um, we just we just realized that it wasn't a good time. Uh, we had a lot of projects in Europe and on the East Coast coming up. And uh, I, I kind of, I think I underestimated how disconnected you can feel from, especially from Europe when you're on the West Coast. Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, it's, it's just the time difference is pretty yeah. isn't it? You yeah, have like a nine hour different. window. Yeah,
0: it's just ridiculous. Um, so for those of you the, the people that don't know about I me, mean, obviously Theo yeah, everyone has heard if you everyone knows who you are, but just in case they've been living in a box for the last 20 years, perhaps um, so you could just if I can help, I can help this whole process rather than just be like I'm Theo and I do computers, <laughs> uh, I can be like Oh, oh wow I'm thanks, Theo. For
1: the, thanks for the summary.
0: <laughs> yeah, is that it? I'm Theo I do. Computers. Computers. Well, that's how I explain it, when people ask me. So I, just, I just play on computers <laughs> all day. Um, but I, I guess you're primarily known for the Open Frameworks project, right? But you also do your own digital art projects too, perhaps. You, is that right?
1: Yeah, I guess. I sort of, you know, how would you explain it? Kind of mixture of uh, an artist and a, I guess, a, cross, a creative coding open source developer. Mm. Um so it mix really kind of open frameworks and my projects have gone hand in hand over the years. So, you know, it was always about creating a tool that, you know, Zach and I and the rest of the community would want to use to make the projects that they wanted to make. Right. Um, and obviously it's changed a lot over the years, uh, but yeah, still making a lot of new interactive installations and, you uh, experimental kind of crazy research projects
0: yeah sure and and you work with emily a lot right And um, you're married right
1: the, yeah that's right um some people you're... not sure about that i guess but yeah we're married um we don't have rings so that, that's something we gotta fix i think yeah we're looking
0: we're always looking for these little clues and they're just not there you've got different surnames that's
1: okay oh right yeah that's a good interesting conversation to have um <laughs> but yeah so so I work with Emily and we have a studio together called Design IO, which has sort of officially been going for about two and a half, three years, um, but we've been working informally before that uh, for about five years.
0: Cool. And so what, what sort of projects have you been working on recently? What's your most, uh, what's your
1: favorite project that you've done recently? <laughs> well, these are all sort of projects I can't really talk about. <laughs> um, so. Uh, going to be a good show, isn't it? Nice. We'll, be, we'll be debuting them at the I.O. Festival um, in Minneapolis in June. Um, oh, I can't go.
0: Oh, no? No, it's a really sad story.
1: Oh, is this because of your visa thing? It's because of my visa thing. Are you persona non grata now?
0: I guess so, yeah. They rejected my application, so I think I was going to... We were gonna have a podcast, so I could talk all about it. I don't think I have talked about it publicly, but yeah. I want to. I
1: want to know because I actually, in the summary of your podcast, it keeps saying like you're going to be talking about the visa stuff, and I'm like, oh, I'm so keen to know about this. And then I listen to the whole bloody podcast, and there is nothing about the visa. Let's let's get it on the record. So. All right. Tell us about the visa situation. It was such
0: so a horrible experience. I always don't want to talk about it because it's too upsetting. Um. Oh, how do I do it? <laughs> how do I do it briefly? Well, short version is that in Minneapolis last year, uh, when I went to America, they stopped me at the gate and were like, eating do work, and it's like well, I'm here for conferences. I'm here to do my workshops, and which I always say because you know I've been doing that in America for you know at least a couple of years. Yeah. Um, and I got some legal advice from some lawyers in New York who said, "Yeah, it's fine. You can work here, but as if it's through your UK company. You know, if you're working for yeah. a UK company in America." That's okay, and that's what I was doing. And they told me to bring all this paperwork and stuff. Um, But Minneapolis didn't think that that was the case at all, that you're not actually allowed to work there at all. Or maybe it was (sighs) because my company is pretty much just me and Jenny, you know. So I I don't know if that's what makes it different. I don't know. But either way, uh, the thing that I've been doing all this time that my lawyer said was fine was actually not fine. So I was nearly sent home, you know, that's what they would normally do. Um, But they felt sorry for me, and they paroled me in uh, up until the date of my workshops, you know, so I could still do the conferences. Oh, wow. Uh, very unusually, very unusual. I know, usually they just literally stick you on the plane home again. So, you know, wow. be merciful for that. But what it means is I can't use the visa waiver program anymore. So in order to go to America, I have to actually get a visa.
1: Every single time?
0: Yeah, I mean, potentially, you know, I was hoping that I'd get like a 10-year multiple entry visa, but as it happens, they they didn't give me any, any visa at all. It's quite a horrible experience. Um, you've got to phone a premium phone line to get an appointment and fill in all these forms and, and all this stuff. And, and like they give you an appointment, like an interview. They say, I'll oh, come and have an interview time at like nine. So I got an interview time of nine days. So I thought I'd go to the embassy and meet the an or whatever. It's not how it is at all. I got there and there's 200 people in front of me in a queue.
1: <laughs> and, oh my god.
0: Um, and you can't bring anything into the embassy. Like, you can't bring your phone. Or your computer, or anything electronic, your USB sticks, or anything. So there's like a couple of pharmacies nearby who are making a good living from doing this uh, short-term storage. The people oh, wow. end up at the embassy, but of course I was sat in there for like two hours without a phone. Like someone like us, what yeah. do you do and you don't have any computers or your phone or anything? But anyway, short version, I guess was I saw this officer, and, and he just he just looked at all my stuff and just assumed that I'd been going to America. And lying, saying I wasn't working and then working. I guess I can't really prove that. You know, I was always honest at the gate and stuff. But he just didn't think I was. I don't know. I guess he just didn't think I was being truthful <sighs> and uh, and rejected my application. So I've no idea what to do now. Really, um, I have got a new lawyer now uh, who hmm. helped me with all this process. But yeah, so I, I've literally got no idea. I'm sure. I'm sure. I've be able to sort it out one way or another at some point, but i yeah. huge I've had to cancel my trip for the I.O. festival. Oh, but so I'm you already had your conference. tickets and everything. I didn't have my flights
1: yet, but well,
0: I was, I was booked to do a, a presentation at JS Comp from Florida as well. So,
1: huh. yeah, that's crazy. So, so you can't even go in on a tourist visa anymore.
0: Well, I'd have to get a tourist visa. I can't, you know, I'd have to apply for one. I mean, right. I don't know if they'd give me one. I don't know. Wow. But I'd have to go through all that process again. It's, uh, not, it's not fun.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Not oh man. man. See, so you should have just lied and said that you were um, coming to the conference, and that was about it. You know, <laughs> what we're in
0: Minneapolis last year.
1: Yeah. I mean, I guess oh. I, 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 personally,
0: not, I'm not very happy with lying at immigration. No, no, no. Especially when they could literally just Google you and see what exactly. Right. What you're doing. See,
1: I don't understand because, like, I go to Europe all the time and do like installations is there for work and I just say when I come there I say I'm here for work I'm you know installing an installation for a client and they're like welcome welcome to Europe you know.
0: Do you have dual citizenship?
1: I do but my English passport has expired so I've been coming in on my American passport and no no one cares uh, I, you, know, is, you, yeah, I yeah, don't know
0: I'm just guessing I mean, do you need does it matter what passport you've come in on but presumably if you are you have got UK citizenship but, yeah but they don't know that like yeah. they don't
1: ask like you know oh are you English or anything and uh, yeah. I don't think but anyway I guess it doesn't work the same in, it's all different
0: I, I mean I, I know I know other people who have come to America doing exactly what I've I've done and, yeah. and they've just uh, immigration have just been oh are you working and then they'll be like yeah but it's from my UK company they're like oh fine so you yeah. know that's like the hardest thing is that I don't yeah. really know what, what but now, now you're kind of is.
1: flagged in their system right I don't know I guess so I yeah. can't use the away word again, that's for sure oh well I'm glad I could finally get you on the record because I've, I've literally been listening to so many of these podcasts trying to find out the story yeah <laughs> Yeah, it's a great great one, isn't it? See
0: how that goes. Anyway, where were we? Let's talk about you, Theo. Um, So you can't talk about your current projects because they're all secrets. Uh, You'll (laughs) reveal them at the IO Festival, which we've established that I can't go to. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Um, And I could show you a picture of them, but I'd have to kill you. Okay, it's Um, it's all right.
0: There's no one watching. It's fine. Um,
1: uh, But uh, yeah, well, I can sort of talk about them in abstraction. Uh, okay. Well, I can, actually, I can, I, can t- I can talk about a couple of them. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, one that is actually running in Paris at the moment, and it's called Weather Worlds, and it's running at a really nice space in Paris called L'Agatae Lurique, or oh, if you're pronouncing it with a horrible English accent or a more horrible English accent, it would be Gates Lurique. Okay. Um, but it's kind of an amazing little, uh, not a little space, but it's a pretty new art, art and kind of cultural center in Paris. And they do like uh, exhibitions, they do workshops. Um, They have like, they have a video game library where parents can bring their kids and they can like play video games together. Um, It's pretty amazing space and they do really good exhibitions. so uh, right now, the exhibition is called Captain Future, and it's about kind of having thought, like looking at kind of what the future might look like and from a ch- from a child's perspective. And so we made this installation called Weather Worlds, which we also showed at the TIFF Kids, the Toronto Inter- International Film Festival, uh, Kids uh, Festival. And it's basically an installation that lets you control the weather with your body. Um, so you're rotoscoped, uh, Off of a green screen and then we're doing like head and hand and body tracking Mm. so that your gestures can like shoot lightning bolts or kind of push clouds up and change the weather uh, in the environment
0: so you like Uh, um, you've got projectors presumably and if you come to the installation you can see yourself being in the in the screen
1: yeah, exactly. You, you, you see, you're, you're sort of standing against a green screen and you're looking at a large projection of the environment with yourself kind of keyed into it. Mm. Um, and it's all, the, the, the video is HD in, which is crazy because um, doing chroma key uh, in HD is quite intensive. Yeah. Um, and actually that's kind of, there's some really crazy sort of hacks that we did to kind of get it working in real time. Because um, when I was trying to do OpenCV uh, and green screening, like, or kind of manually cutting out the image to put on screen it was running at something like 10 frames a second or five frames a second. Mm. Um, So what we're doing is we're taking the live video, we're rescaling it down really small, doing chroma key and open CV, um, and doing all the tracking stuff really small, Mm. and even unwarping of the lens. And then we're doing exactly the same processes in parallel as a a shader, but on the full resolution, not, not scaled down. Because what ends up on screen has to be look, you know, at a have a HD resolution. Yeah, sure. Uh, so
0: you say you're doing the exact same processes in a, in a shader. Presumably there's some bits of that you don't have to do. Is it just the, the chroma keying that you have to do in the shader, right?
1: Yeah, the chroma keying, but also, yeah, and the kind of softening of the edges. Mm. Um, but then also the, the crazy part is that the these cameras, because they're so close, they have a kind of fisheye, almost fisheye lens. Mm. So I actually have to do the unfisheye compensation both in OpenCV and on the shader. yeah, but they have to use the same algorithms to match up. So essentially like we found that if we did all the chroma key on at HD resolution in a shader, Um, as well as the undistortion it doesn't even have a one frame a second impact on the performance so we were getting steady 60 fps with like 10 shader passes Mm. on full hd and uh yeah it's kind of awesome it's a pain in the ass but it's awesome
0: it's a pain to program you mean well, it's just pain it.
1: to sort of do these two things in parallel. Mm. Um, but you're
0: only but doing the low-resolution version for the track for the motion tracking, right? For the...
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, and that's all you, you don't need like more than really like 320 by 240 for doing the analysis part of it. That
0: sounds great. Is it open source?
1: Uh, the I don't know if that stuff's open source, but I'm gonna be open sourcing the body tracking, mm. which is crazy. Uh, so basically, if you have a, a kind of 2D outline of a contour of a person, um, it will find the head, the hands, the feet with like 98%, 95% reliability. Um, and I don't think I've seen anything like that. It's as good as it uh, that exists for, uh, you know, non-Connect style where you're doing kind of full skeletonization. Yeah, it sounds but, cool. Um, so that will be open sourced and that's like some crazy messy code i wrote five years ago and i just have been fixing but you can like put your hands on the same side of your body and it will find both hands you can put your hands really close to your head and stuff so uh, that sounds really hard it's it was surprisingly how did, easy how
0: did you program that
1: <laughs> you just you, it was it's, it's such a mess but it's actually like not that much code
0: it's just a load of if statements yeah
1: basically you <laughs> You, you kind of find the head, and then you, you once you find, actually, the, you find the feet first, because they're kind of the easiest to rule out. Um, sure. But... Yeah, this, uh, I have a kind of little thing on Twitter, like a little Vine. It was my first Vine that I posted, showing showing the, uh, the the tracking reliability.
0: Okay, cool. Yeah, I have to look out for that. Sounds good. So, is this project aimed at kids? Is that right?
1: Um, it's sort of aimed at kids. We we wanted it to be enjoyable by adults as well, and so hmm. uh, we've had quite a few adults playtest it with us, and they seem to get it, have a blast. Um, the trick is building the green screen high enough because when the camera is at the bottom looking up, like if you're standing mm. quite far forward, then your head sort of comes up, you know, it's appearing above the green screen. Uh, yeah. So that's the trickiest part, but um, it, it's it's kind of primarily primarily a kid's project.
0: Yeah, I mean, you said, I've seen a lot of your work is aimed at children. Is that something you're particularly interested or is that just how it's panned out? It's sort of
1: a little bit of, of both. Um You know, we sort of started doing a lot of this stuff in the Netherlands, and a lot of the kind of interesting opportunities were around this children's festival called Synecid, um, because they would pretty Mm -hmm. much give us carte blanche to do whatever we wanted. Um, And also, kids are a kind of more, slightly more interesting audience to develop for, um, especially if you're trying to do stuff that's not kind of patronising, but is really crazy. They're much more, you know, eager to embrace the craziness, I think. Um, But we we did a project last year which was not a kids project that uh, was called SkaterViz and that was sort of just a self-initiated R&D project where we were trying to use an iPhone or an iPod to motion capture a skateboard and to motion capture a skateboarder, like doing tricks and understanding kind of the movement that is going on Um, Mm. so that one was quite fun to to work on and we did the whole thing in like basically a week and a half Um, but we got full rotation and you know kind of movement and we actually did it so we could over overlay the, the augmented graphics on top of the video and it kind of lined up perfectly so you would see the skateboarder going along and then the board would flip and you would actually see all the rotations that were going on augmented over the video with like a trail showing the history of the board behind him. That
0: sounds cool. It was fun it
1: was a little bit different from our usual stuff um, with no kind of real purpose to be honest but just except for like let's see if we can do this.
0: I don't know if there's ever any purpose, is there? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you know, sometimes there's a deadline, like a festival or like, you know, a client. Oh, you yeah. Know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess sometimes. <laughs> or more of the time, for me at least. Um.
0: Cool, so what's 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 new in the world of open frameworks? Have you got an, any, is there a recent update or a release or anything, what, what are we up to now?
1: So right now in OF we're at point seven zero point seven point four, 0.7.4, and the next big yeah. release is 0.8. Um, and in point 0.8 we got some pretty exciting stuff coming. Um, there's been a team of people, uh, Christopher Baker, JC uh, J- 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 Cleave, and um, Dan the man who have been working on on uh, getting. Are these
0: all Twitter IDs? These are
1: sort of a mixture of real names and Twitter IDs or GitHub IDs. <laughs>
0: uh, I've got no idea his real name, but.
1: Actually, yeah, I just call him Dan the Man. Them, I, I Dan the man. Um, <laughs> but they've been working on. Uh, getting OF running on the Raspberry Pi and the Beagle board oh, yeah. and all of these sort of small low-cost computers. Um, mm. And that's been working. It's sort of in the develop branch, but that'll be official in the 0.8 release. Um, the other exciting thing is that we're moving away from glut for the windowing and we're going to be able to support multiple windows, uh, which we've been wanting to do for a long time. Mm. Um, an ES 2.0 renderer for the iPhone and for Android and also essentially for desktop as well. So that that's essentially OpenGL three um, okay. where all of everything is shader based. So you kind of start out by building a shader to do your transforms and everything. But that, yeah, that sounds good. But it's kind of very powerful and it will allow for some very powerful stuff, especially on mobile devices. Uh, yeah. And then we have OF parameter now, which essentially is a way to kind of kind of I guess like Uh, create lists of parameters that then GUIs can essentially expose and build on top of. Um, And yeah, so it's really 0.8 is kind of the next big jump before we get to the 1.0 release, which, uh, yeah.
0: What? (laughs) What? (laughs) What?
1: <laughs> well, we 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 kind of were forced to change our numbering system from this like double o seven style to like something that's actually respected by people that develop software. Um, <laughs> Craziness.
0: So, yeah, I know,
1: like conventions, right? Um, yeah, yeah. So now we're kind of doing this zero point eight point one point two and then you know the the first official major release will be the 1.0 release
0: yeah do you do you do any teaching Theo I know Zach obviously teaches quite a lot do you do you teach people
1: um I've done I do workshops still um I taught in Rotterdam for two years when I was living Mm. in Europe but I found that it was very hard for me to sort of balance uh making projects and teaching I found like I was always letting on one side down and Mm. I I love teaching and it's I, I I feel like i had some of the best students and but i never felt like i could split myself in a way that worked out for everything so uh, yeah
0: I, I mean i'm not sure i could like teach at a, some sort of institution or anything but um i think i find the workshops quite good for my brain
1: yeah think, workshops are nice you know,
0: it's it's um it's good just to put yourself in those positions of i guess pressure we have to come up with the right answers all the time you've got to think on your feet i think it's that's been really good for my brain
1: <laughs> it's also nice it's also good from a from an of development standpoint to be exposed to new users because there yeah. are things that i just take for granted and i completely forget that are not obvious uh, to people who are starting out so whenever we do workshops it's constantly a learning experience being like oh yeah we could make this a lot easier if we you know changed it to, to take this approach
0: yeah and I'm noticing that um, there's sort of more examples popping up, aren't there? And even a few more tutorials and things as part of the official site.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if you've even seen the download now. The number of examples like quadrupled or something in the, well, in the last, it was about a year ago that we kind of had this big push to make examples. Um, but now also the ofxaddons.com is really one of the best resources where it basically aggregates all the add ons or plugins for open frameworks. Um, and it's it's insane just seeing. The number of add-ons, you know, just on one page and you're like, holy crap, you know, there's five different add-ons for doing this one thing and you yeah. can kind of pick and choose which one is perfect for what you're doing.
0: I still haven't quite found the GUI that I want to use. Oh, right, I've yeah. The, I've tried them all. seems like everyone's got their own one or like, every, or, or like loads of people have got your one and they've just kind of screwed with it a little bit.
1: Yeah, <laughs> like... I'm happy with that to be honest because I feel like GUI programming is one of the hardest things to get right and you can never get it right the first time um mm. so my feeling is like you know have fun with it like mess with it i, I kind of want to do a big rewrite maybe for the 0.8 release um, do you still use it i still use it i i, I have to say like i'm quite partial to it because um, we, we I,
0: I think when i looked at it it had not been updated for a while presumably that's because it's, it's that good <laughs> It didn't need anything yeah. <laughs>
1: But it, I mean if, but know, it's
0: still something that is good enough to work with all the time in the I, I think world. so okay. it's,
1: it's not the best looking one I'll, I'll admit that mm. but it has you know tabs essentially so like you know with funky forest which is an installation we, we set up regularly as a permanent install we have 10 tabs or 10 pages of settings that we have to tweak um, so there's a point where just yeah. you know a single u- user interface panel is not going to be good enough
0: yeah. Um, yeah sure so often I find that I've, I've got a multi- screen in installation where you know i've got an output to a projector and i want to be able to control it all on my laptop yeah. for example I mean, how would you approach that so what i do I with thought that... we'd get a bit technical for once. yeah what, let's, right. let's let's turn People this into like,
1: like tech support um yeah. <laughs> Uh, what I usually do is I make the control panel full screen on the machine that's like your laptop or the iMac or whatever and I will put a re- I'll render everything that's going to be projected as an FBO and I'll put the FBO quite large in the, on the main panel of the control panel so you basically you see what is going out but then you have sliders next to it and you can control settings and stuff um, sure
0: so would that just be a single app that just spans both of your screens
1: yeah so right now that's the kind of the solution we've had to do in of where you make a giant app Um, and there's a good trick which is that windows doesn't always support horizontal spam like if you tell it to go full screen it will just go full screen on one but you can actually just tell it not to go full screen but set the window position to zero zero and just set the size and that actually has an almost identical effect um, when you do that Uh, you sometimes suffer a little bit in performance um, but that's why that's why we're moving to GLFW because we can then have your control panel can be a separate window and then you have a full screen yeah. app running on your other displays
0: sure and uh do you I've oh, forgotten the question now because I just noticed a comment on Google <laughs> Plus come up so on my phone which I'm recording with it's saying is this meant to be public well yeah it
1: is <laughs> <laughs> wow that, i don't know <laughs> maybe should, it doesn't look like it should be I, i'm not sh- we should talk about passwords and pin codes and stuff like that yeah yeah
0: so my credit card number <laughs> is um i totally lost my thread now yes yeah, so um do you use uh, you mentioned windows there do you mainly use windows i thought you used a mac mostly
1: um yeah so i in the past like i kind of came up with using windows because when zach was starting and Golan was you know when this stuff was early days really a a lot of the devices for input like video cameras and stuff didn't work on Macs. Um, mm. so you know in some respects I prefer using Windows for some installations especially when you're kind of feel like you're not getting enough performance and you can just get like a, a dual dual slot like crazy graphics card you know with two gigabytes of memory and just shove it in there and just watch everything look amazing um yeah. but on the other hand like just from a kind of development standpoint I find Windows miserable uh, it's pretty, pretty painful, you know, when you have a project and you've got to drag each file in individually or like, uh, there's just some sort of really dumb stuff about it.
0: Uh, but which IDE are you talking about? Is that code blocks?
1: Uh, well, this is true with code blocks and Vis- Visual Studio, like, you know, in Xcode, when you drag in like a nested folder structure into your source code, it goes through and it adds the subfolders as include paths. So we basically yeah. just, everything works. On Windows, uh, IDs, Visual
0: Studio doesn't do that? No. I mean, everyone's telling me how good Visual Studio is, isn't it? I, 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 it is good.
1: It's, it's good, yeah. but it's just, it has a different workflow and it can be a little bit tedious sometimes. But once you've got so things set up, it's, it's not so bad.
0: And so if you were working on a project, would you, like, work on it on your Mac and then presumably port it over to the PC and then yeah. set up your IDE on the PC and... Is there a lot of wrangling you have to do to get it from one to the other?
1: No, actually, that's kind of one of the best parts about OF, which is like now I'll keep like an Xcode project and a code blocks of uh, Visual Studio project in the same folder. And I'll do a bit of work on my Mac and I'll build it. And then when I bring it over to the PC, I just recompile it and it runs. Um, Mm. And actually, for the project we're working on right now, we're doing a big iPad project. Like, with, it's probably going to be a 500 or 600 megabyte uh, app. Um, mm. We we found that the simulator was too slow to simulate kind of the OpenGL stuff we were doing it wasn't the, sure. the iPad was faster by factors of 10 than the simulator so we now actually have an, we're using the OSX app as the simulator app and we have everything that works on the iPad working on OSX so we can pretty much build and an run and test within seconds of you know hitting compile and it will, we know it will look exactly the same on the iPad um, so that's, yeah, a that's really nice testament really to you know
0: yeah that's something I haven't done at all yet I've just stuck with OSX yeah, just left yeah. my project it's in Xcode
1: It's like <laughs> it's an, it's yeah. it's nice. I wouldn't I wouldn't do it unless you need to. Um. Um,
0: well, sometimes I you know I think sometimes it would be good to um, to compile stuff on PCs and certainly if I'm leaving it somewhere I'd rather just get some cheap I mean, PC hardware right
1: for, for the money like you can get you can build for like $1200 you can build a PC that will destroy you know anything but like the top of the line Mac Pro and maybe even yeah. you know because all of our stuff tends to be single threaded and though the Mac Pro is better set up for kind of much more multi-threaded operations uh, but yeah it's cheap and it, it does the job
0: yeah sure and so if you, if you wanted if you're out there like say you're one of our listeners and you've done a bit of programming and, and you've always wanted to learn open frameworks, where would you send them uh, to one of your workshops?
1: I think I think the the workshops. Are always helpful. because um, you know, there are there are some pretty good guides out there, but it's always nice to kind of when you run into that really kind of s- simple, stupid bug, and that's sort of holding you up to be able to just get that resolved quickly. Um, I, but honestly, I would s- say just download that, download open frameworks and just play with the examples, run the examples, you know, get a feel of how things work, and then try making your own projects by copying and pasting code from the examples and sort of gluing them together. Uh, that's how I sort of learn Max MSP for the first time. was just <laughs> unlocking the help files and you know copying the parts I needed and kind of connecting them together i've never
0: used max msp is it fun
1: I, it got me into programming It sort of you know got oh, really? that kind of bug into me yeah it's
0: oh, cool it's amazing that's how you started yeah and what were you doing before that
1: um i was just try- drawing stuff <laughs> no i was building musical instruments uh with analog you know, analog synthesizers and stuff and uh actually trying to do of style stuff with php um <laughs> What happened is a friend a friend of mine taught me PHP and I taught them Max MSP and he was like, you can do all of this stuff. And he was he's trying to show me what a for loop was. So he he showed me that you could print out every number in the for loop from one to a hundred and you could make the font size bigger. And then I'm like, oh well could you change the colour as well? And he's like, Yeah, you can change the colour. And so I got this really pretty, you know, thing of numbers that was getting bigger and changing colour. I basically took that bit of code and spent six months just making weird little kind of web art uh, projects with table cells and stuff like that.
0: That sounds amazing. <laughs> um, so yeah, um, I'll start wrapping up. It's been great to chat with you, Theo. I hope you'll come back again another time. We'll carry on.
1: Yeah, I'm sorry, sorry about more. the internet issues. And uh, hopefully I'll see you in the US sometime soon. Thanks. I hear there's gaps in the Mexican border that uh, haven't been <laughs> filled in yet.
0: Yeah, I'm not going to hold my breath. In the meantime, maybe if you're coming over to Europe, let me know. (laughs) That might be a better bet. Oh, man. I don't know. But it was was such a pleasure to catch up with you. Thanks for joining us, Theo. And thanks, everyone else, for listening. I've just got to quickly plug my training courses because I've got some new workshops going on sale this week on Thursday in Amsterdam and Manchester. So if you're interested in that, go to seb.ly slash training. Uh, It should be fun doing my new Games Creative JS Games course. Oh, wow. Pretty exciting.
1: Nice. In Amsterdam, always a good time.
0: <laughs> yeah, I hope so. It should be, uh, it's going to be June. So yeah, hopefully it should be good weather.
1: Well, there's lots of open frameworks people in Amsterdam. So um, you should definitely meet up with them when you're there.
0: I should totally do that. Yeah, let's do <laughs> it. Diedrich,
1: Diedrich Huber's uh, Roxloo, Yeah, he's there. Yeah,
0: I know Diedrich. Okay, yeah, cool. Thanks everyone for listening. Thanks again, Theo, for joining us. And uh, I'll see you next time. Thanks. Bye. Bye.